0: am <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Welcome, Maplecrest. So uh, last time we were talking about Mother's Day, and we were talking about um, honour. And uh, there's more to say about honour, and so I thought we'd make it you know, a continuation uh, for today. And I want to talk, uh, to start, about dishonour a little bit. Uh, so I work as a psychologist, and... Um, There's a lot of dishonor that happens in my practice that I see. One of the most common places that I see dishonor is in divorce. And uh, people will walk into divorce. It's such a, I don't know, from a distance, it's kind of such an interesting thing for people to... um, Because sometimes I have the... um, I get to witness uh, this process of people still being... Working on their relationship and then slowly moving into a divorce, and uh, and they'll often say things like that they believe that they're going to be okay through it and that uh, they're going to work towards uh, you know having good communication and all those kinds of things. And it's just um, unfortunately so predictable to see it slowly degrade and for them to uh, begin to well hate each other really uh, over time. And one of the things that Uh, is the most destructive thing that I see in divorce is uh, when the partners will degrade each other in front of the children. Uh, It's called parental alienation. And it was actually surprising to me. Normally our justice system doesn't work very well. Um, That's been my experience with it uh, in various ways. And uh, so I was just expecting that parental alienation... Would be the same and and often still even then it's hard uh to catch but the the justice system actually takes parental alienation really seriously um and it's it's like that destructive even though it's so subtle in a sense it's just words that people are saying to their children uh it's taken so seriously and it's interesting also to see how the kids react to parental alienation like when they're saying something negative oftentimes they'll respond um with, with agreement um and they'll agree with the with the parent and and sometimes they'll even turn against the other parent and they'll have real difficulty going over to the other side and being with the other parent Um, and but when i'm talking to parents i'm often warning them and i'm saying okay like you can maybe get away with this for a little while but this could really backfire on you at some point because when you insult a child's parent um, they might agree with you for a time But when you insult a child's parent, you're insulting, you're dishonoring them because they, that other parent is in them uh, to some degree in one level or another. um, You're dishonoring that child. And eventually what you see is children who will kind of flip and turn against that parent that has been dishonoring. Sometimes it comes, you know, in teenage years, sometimes it comes a little later, Um, but you kind of see that and it's so, and it's so sad and so that kind of dishonor, what you see is it brings out this, it kind of uh, fosters, it fertilizes this mental health, this sickness, these mental health problems and this disorder in relationships. And to tell you the truth, often as a pastor or just in uh, you know churches that kind of uh, operate in the Holy Spirit, you hear a lot about the effects of curses and the effects of dishonor. And I don't want to pull away anything from that. They're, they're very Uh, they're awful I believe Um, I believe like a lot of that I think we should take those things really seriously the fact that you know generational curses curses that come uh, you know from previous uh, generations but one thing that I don't hear a lot about is generational blessings people almost never talk about generational blessings Um, and uh, they focus more on the curses and cancelling curses and I don't want to take away from that I think that's important um, and I want to do it well um, but people don't talk about generational blaze blessings, even though they come and they're talked about right in the scripture where they talk about generational curses. And I'll read that to you. In Exodus 20, uh, verse 5, it says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God and am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So, yeah, there's generational curses. Uh, if you hate the Lord, It's not going to just affect you. It's going to affect the people around you, including your children. And it might go down to your children's children and children's children's children. And and it goes on for a while. And this is the part where people often stop. But I want to keep reading. But showing steadfast love to thousands. So I'll read the whole sentence there. You know, I'm the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands... Of those who love me and keep my commands and that's the part that we often don't really take seriously we don't really see the fact that there's these generational blessings that go on for I mean if you actually did some math on this you know third or fourth generation versus thousands of generations I mean if you compare that if you actually think about that in terms of the power of a blessing of God's blessing versus the power of a curse it's less than 1% if you were to compare them Uh, if you had one blessing versus one curse the the effect of that curse is less than 1% the power of the effect uh, of the blessing. And so I don't think we should focus as much on curses as we do on the blessings that are available to us uh, because they're so much more powerful in our lives. I'll give you an example in Israel or for Israel, one of the blessings that came for Israel. In Genesis um in genesis 12 it says now the lord said to abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that i will show you this is a very important we were missionaries for a little while so this is like the script this is like the missionary scripture go from the country and the kindred and your father's house to the land that i will show you and i will make you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing so there's this, this man, Abraham, Abram here. And his righteousness didn't bless a third or fourth generation. it blessed an entire nation, and that blessing continues. It's still happening, generation after generation, not just you know, a couple hundred people thousands, millions of people are being blessed by one man's righteousness. By one man's righteousness. It produces so much fruit. So when he says a thousand generations, I don't actually think he's talking about a thousand generations. I actually think that this is one of those um, kind of exaggerations. Because if you, if you think, if you have a biblical timeline of, uh, of the past... Um, There's only been between, it's hard to count sometimes, it's been between 60 and 70 generations from Adam to Jesus. I don't know how many generations from Jesus to us, maybe. Let's add another. I don't know, even if you want to be generous, add another 60. I think it's less than that. If you maybe like, say, 100 years for a generation, then that's 20, 50 years for a generation, it's 40. I don't know, we've gotten maybe to 100 generations since Adam. The blessings are lasting thousands of generations. He's basically saying they don't end. He might as well have said the blessings don't end. They just continue on. The curse is, I will limit. If you, if you have a curse, it's only going to go to the third or fourth generation, but the blessing will go on forever. You know when he said, talked about the forgiveness, and he was talking about, oh, you know, we've forgiven seven times, and he's like, I want you to forgive seven times 70. Do you think he was really saying 490? then you don't have to forgive anymore. I think the same thing applies here. It's like, oh, you know, a thousand and first generation, sorry, you know, you're the generation where it ends. Israel's no longer blessed. You know, Israel came to an end. Lasted a little too long before I came. Sorry, oops, you know. It's over. Thousands. It's just like it's unending. You're never going to see the end of my blessing for the person who's righteous. Now, if you ever feel, because this can happen, because this is how God works. He blesses one person, and he expects that person to bless everybody around he, like, He's the dad who gives out the candy bag you know, to one kid, and then he says, go give them to your brothers and sisters, and then sometimes the kid doesn't give them out. And it can be hard for the rest of us, right? Like, I'm not Jewish. My mom really wanted to be Jewish. We even did that, like, saliva test thing. You know, like, <laughs> the... <laughs> British. We're British. We're <laughs> not even, like... <laughs> I don't even know if we're Mennonite. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure the British have a blessing. But anyway, we've all been grafted into Israel. So Ephesians 3.6 says, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, talking about Israel, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So in Christ Jesus, we get the same blessing. And that's basically the message of this scripture. I'm sorry, this message is that if you're worried about the generational curses or if you hear about that I, I, th- I, want you to, I want you to think about that, I do but I want you to know that everybody here has access to a rich spiritual heritage of promises wow. Thank you. everybody here has access to so many blessings that it makes the power of those curses just almost just fade away into nothing in comparison. In comparison to the power and the, of the blessings. You don't even need to think about your parents. I mean, we're, we're supposed to think about our parents and our grandparents, but you don't even need to think about that because these blessings last so long. You can look at the church fathers in the Old Testament and you can access their blessings. We all have access to the blessings. We still have the blessings of Adam. We're still over... The animals. We are still caretaking the animals. The blessings that have been given down to Adam and to Noah apply to all of us. The blessings of Abraham apply to all of us, even if they seem distant. And I want to tell you, because not all of us maybe feel blessed, and I want to tell you that there's principles on accessing the blessings of people, and there's principles for canceling out the blessings in the same way that you can do things to activate curses and get rid of curses you can activate blessings and you can deactivate blessings in your life you can actually say i don't want that promise you can actually get rid of them if you don't want a promise i'll tell you how to get rid of it and one of the keys one of the ways or the the glasses that you can put on to look at how to activate and deactivate blessings is honor that's one lens there's actually multiple you could talk about obedience you could talk about love but i think honor is actually one of the more powerful lenses that we can look at in terms of activating and deactivating the promises that you potentially have access to in your own life and i'll look at israel we were talking about israel this big promise that was given to abraham this generational blessing this nation that was given to abraham How do you activate or deactivate the blessing that was given to abraham and it tells us exactly how in the scripture in genesis 12 it says it says everything i was saying before now the lord said to abraham go from your country and your kindred and i'll give you this land that i will show you and i will make you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and it goes on to say i will bless those who bless you And it goes on to say, And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm going to give you the candy, and you're going to dish it out. And we have access to that if we honor and agree with the Lord. But if you disagree with the Lord. You can close the door on the blessings that God has for you even through Abraham. If you say I don't like the fact that you have given Israel everything, that you've given them this enormous blessing and not the other nations. I don't agree with you God on how you on how you do, on how you operate. Then you're going to inherit a curse. We bless Israel here. <laughs> we bless Israel. In fact, it was interesting. Oh, and I'm just thinking of this now. On the first day that Maple Crest started in September, there was a few things that happened on that day, and one of them was a very special day for Israel. What was it? It was the Jewish New Year. We didn't plan it that way. It was September 9th, and all of a sudden, in the service, in our house, people told us, this is Israel's New Year, and we prayed for Israel. We want to be fellow heirs with Israel. We want to honour what the Lord does. It creates an open door if we agree with God. And if we disagree, it closes the door. And there's lots of other examples of this. Matthew 10. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. So if we have you over for coffee and we don't know your gifting, we don't receive your reward. But if we know who you are and we recognize that in you and we say we want to honor what God has done in you, so we're going to have you over, and we're going to bless you, we get it. We get the reward that everybody else works so hard for. You can inherit the promises of the people around you, just like you can inherit the promises of Israel. What I, there's this rich spiritual heritage that I was talking about, they go on for thousands of generations. They go on forever. We can access all of those. And you can access the promises of everybody around you, even if they're not accessing it. You can access their reward. Israel is not accessing all of their reward right now. But we can agree with God's plan for Israel and access the reward that they're supposed to have. In fact, that's actually how God's going to work with them. He's gonna, he is going to make Israel jealous. That's one of the ways he's going to bring Israel into the kingdom. He's going to say, God's blessing everybody else except us because they're the ones who were given the promise, but we're the ones who are actually getting the blessing because we're honoring and agreeing with God. So he's saying, well, then you can have it. You can have the promise. And it doesn't just work with Israel. It can work with the person sitting, sitting next to you. We each have these promises. But if you don't recognize it, if you say, oh, I don't know if they're that prophetic ah uh, you know i don't know if they're that righteous actually if you don't recognize it in your neighbor then you close the door to the blessing that they have in their life The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. It doesn't even say that a prophet will get a prophet's reward. It says that the person who receives a prophet, the person who agrees with the fact that that person's a prophet, how many false prophets are there out there who are hurting people? But if you recognize God has promised you power, and even though you're hurting people and you're potentially cutting off your reward by blessing what god has done in your life and what he's planned for you i can actually get that reward even if you're not accessing it it's available to the rest of us i do believe this is we actually did a series on boundaries so here are the boundaries part there are boundaries you know you can make boundaries but we want to agree with god's promises so even if they're not completely manifest you can access them this even includes money I said it i 'm talking about money proverbs three nine to ten honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine it 's just it 's just right there you can 't escape it you can 't escape it. I kind of want to escape it because i don 't want to be like a Everybody in my church is going to be a wealthy pastor. But it's like sitting right there looking at me. I can't go against it. I don't believe that God guarantees us all financial wealth. But I do believe that he guarantees provision. And I believe that we each have a financial destiny on our life, like we have every other destiny on our life. We have a plan that God has over our life in terms of money, even in terms of money, he has a plan and a destiny for your life. And if you wanna access what God has for you in money, whatever he has for you, not what I have for you, not what you want for you, but what he has for you, if you wanna access that, to open that door, you have to honor him. If you want the prophet's reward, have the profit over. If you want the financial reward, honor him with your money. Honor is the way to unlock the door on what he has for you with money. So I don't know if God's call for you is to be a millionaire, but if you don't honor him with your money, in Jesus, he is going to close the door. I say in Jesus because you might even have a million dollars in your bank account. But I don't believe that he has his blessing on that million dollars that you have in your bank account. You want to have your money in him. Maybe you were supposed to give that money away. Maybe you have that money illegally. You want to follow him in every area of your life, including finance. You don't want to have money if his destiny for you is to not have money. And you don't want to not have money if his destiny for you is to have money. God might have a call for you to have money to do something very important. And you don't want to be in a place where it's like, well, I was going to do this thing through you. You were supposed to have a million dollars, but you weren't faithful with your money. Now you don't have it. Now I can't do that extra thing through your life it's not our money it's his money so when I say oh you're going to be wealthy I'm saying you're going to get a portion of his money and if you see it any other way it's dangerous it's dangerous to see money any other way money will hurt you if you think it's yours it's yours to steward I have to get back to this. So when you start thinking about the promises and the blessings that happen, and they all go on for thousands of generations, and everybody around you has blessings that have been happening in their heritage for thousands of generations, it kind of becomes overwhelming at how much blessing that we can access. There's no end to it. It just keeps accumulating age after age after age. The righteousness of people continues to increase over time for those who are willing to see it and go after it and and honor it. We don't realize who we actually are, how much stored up blessing there is around us. The next part I want to talk about is how honoring blessings and promises Doesn't just give them to us. Honoring them gives them to other people. So, I was talking before about how dishonor produces sickness. I'll give you another example of dishonor in therapy. If you go to therapy, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get better. Some therapists make people worse. I don't know if that's a surprise. Maybe some of you have experienced that. I hear about it sometimes when people come to my clinic. I'm hoping nobody else hears about it when they leave my clinic. (laughs) One of the main things that causes people to get worse in therapy is a negative interpretation. It's the most predictable way to hurt somebody. A negative interpretation. Somebody comes in and they're depressed. And you say, I have an insight for you. You're depressed because you have a weak constitution. You're a weak person. This would be an example of a negative interpretation. It's easy, it's simple, it doesn't require a lot of thought. We do it so much for each other, and it's so destructive. It just destroys people, it dishonors them. There's something called the fundamental attribution error. It's fundamental because it's so common. If you make a mistake, you will attribute that mistake to something temporary and something outside of yourself. But if somebody else makes a mistake, you will attribute it to something internal and permanent. I did it. I got a bad grade because my professor. It's temporary. It's not my fault. It's outside of myself. You got a bad grade because you're not smart. You'll never be smart. permanent, character, internal. That's how we operate generally. It's a fundamental attribution error. We give ourselves grace way more than we give other people grace. It's much easier to give a negative interpretation for somebody else than it is for yourself. Our minds immediately go to negative interpretations. I don't know if you can feel this in yourself. In Canada, we're pretty good at turning it off. We're pretty polite people. You can click in. Here's the reason why. And then you click in. And this is the reason I'm going to tell you. We dishonor other people. And it takes work to accept and to give, take a moment and give a positive interpretation. And when you do That is what heals in therapy. And the more genuinely and immediately you can experience a positive interpretation of somebody else, when you can say, that's a problem, and we can deal with that together, it's not permanent. We can actually take that problem and we can treat it as if it's something outside of yourself. I have families come in and they talk about addictions, and one of the first things I do with them is I say, you guys right now are talking to this person who's addicted as if they're the problem. Let's take addiction, let's give it a name. Churchill called depression his black dog. Let's give it a name. Let's call it the black dog. Let's put it on the table and let's realize that that person doesn't want to be addicted either. That's why they're here. They came to therapy, I can almost guarantee, unless you're giving them a lot of money to be here, that they don't want it either. And let's all talk about what we're going to do, what they're going to do, what you're going to do, what I'm going to do, about this temporary external problem. That is a positive interpretation. It's empowering. It speaks to control. It speaks to, we can still love you even if you lie to us. Because that's this black dog and we're all working on that. You don't want to lie to us. We don't want you to lie to us. And we have to work together to make that stop. Because you're addicted. It's right there. We're not denying it. If you honor somebody, you don't just pull that reward for yourself. If you have a prophet over and you honor them, you get the prophet's reward. But if you honor a prophetic gift in somebody, you pull the prophetic promise into their lives. You unlock the door for their promise to be prophetic. And this actually is one of the main things that we do in the prophetic. I believe that the prophetic is primarily unlocking promises in people's lives. You have to discern it, but it's unlocking spiritual realities in people's lives. You can't live it out for the person. You can't make them accept the promise. You can't activate it for them, but you can name it, and that gives them the opportunity to activate it in their life. Something not so obvious, something maybe only God can see. Naming the promise honors it. When you praise it, you're praising and agreeing with God. When you honor somebody with a prophetic word, you're saying this is what God has done so we can praise it. You are prophetic. I'm not saying anything about, this isn't a humility test. It's something God has given you. You're not prophetic because you're great. You're prophetic because God is great and he has a great destiny over your life. So we can be excited about that. I'm going to give you an example, a really simple example that I don't think anybody can disagree with, we'll see, of prophecy. I'm going to prophesy over all of you right now, and I'm going to be 100% accurate. I prophesy eternal life over your soul. There is a promise on each of your souls to be eternal and to be with God for eternity. Now we have to discern that. Okay. Am I accurate? Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfil his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He has a promise over every person here to repent. He has a promise over every person here to be with him. Does that mean that every person will be there? Well, that depends on the next step. Now that we've discerned the word and it's biblically accurate, it's time to honor it or it's time to dishonor it. You can activate that promise or you can deactivate the promise. You can bless yourself or you can curse yourself. He doesn't force his blessings on people. He doesn't force his promises on people. But if you bless it, it becomes an active blessing with the power to change your physical, cognitive, emotional realities and your eternal destiny. There is so much power in God's promises to completely change your life. To completely change your eternal destiny for thousands of generations people will be changed by God's promises by the blessings that he has for people Jesus lived a righteous life and the blessings of his life are, can be opened and closed in yours for eternity for thousands of generations for thousands of generations it's not just accessing Israel's blessing were access, accessing the blessings of Christ himself. He was resurrected. And if you want to access the blessing of resurrection, honor the blessing that he had in his life. If you want the, if you want the blessing of the prophet, have the prophet over. If you want the blessing of a resurrection, have Jesus over. But you can't just have Jesus over You can't just have the prophet over. You have to have the prophet over because he's a prophet. You can't just have Jesus over to your house. You have to have Jesus over to your house because he was resurrected. You have to say, I recognize the promise in your life, Jesus. What God gave you. And you accessed it fully and so can I. He doesn't need to access it fully for us to get it. He could have somehow fouled up his resurrection. He didn't do that. But we can access it fully regardless of whether he's messed it up. It was brought to humanity through him. And it's available in, in Christ to everyone. But you have to have a culture of honor to unlock the promises in your life. In Maple Crest, we want to have a culture of honor. And that doesn't mean that this is just about having good relationships with each other. It's not about being nice i want to be nice too but that's not primarily that's not even primarily what a culture of honor is about it's not about having flat polite relationships i'm okay with conflict i have to be because i'm a psychologist (laughs) and i do couples counseling It's not about a flat fake relationship it's not about always agreeing it's about agreeing with the promises that the lord has for the people in this church it's about going around and saying i'm not just seeing who you are i'm seeing what god has for you it's about seeing who comes in somebody who comes in here and hurts everybody is immature and weak broken and not seeing them as somebody you can discard. It's about looking into their spirit and prophetically saying, I agree with what the Lord has for you in your life. And I'm going to have you over because I recognize what the Lord is doing in your life. I believe that agreeing with the blessings and purposes of God in people's lives is more powerful to remove the curses that people have in their lives than cursing the curse. I'm not against cancelling curses. But I believe that if you look into their lives and you see the promise and you agree with that, the power in that seed of a promise will completely push out the curse in their life—they're not going to have any room for it. It's over ninety-nine percent more powerful than a curse. It's the curse is only there because it's got room. It's, there's nothing else, but if you put a promise in there, it just fills up all the space. There's no more room for the curse. We need to be fascinated with Jesus more than we need to be fascinated with the devil. Maplecrest has a rich spiritual heritage. Blessings that are there for us to use and enjoy. Abraham blessed a nation. Christ blessed all of humanity. And I believe that Maplecrest has the power to bless Canada. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Got me now you might say, oh, well, there's only a few people here. That doesn't matter. This is a spiritual reality. I'm not being prideful when I say that I believe that Maplecrest can change a nation. I'm trying to agree with the way that the Lord works. He looks at a city and he says, oh, there's a Christian in there. There's somebody who's faithful to me. Maybe I should just leave that city alone. There's one person in a million. I think I'm going to leave them alone. I think I'm going to give them a bit more time. I'm going to preserve them. Because Maple Crest is in that city, I think I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless a whole city because of one ballroom. It's not pride in us. It's awe in the power of God and his favor over thousands of people because he loves us and has one obedient servant. So God, we agree with you. Jesus, thank you for Maple Crest. Thank you for a people that want to go after you with a whole heart. And I recognize that this church is filled with people Who don't want to just go along with things, but it's filled with people who want your whole spirit, who want to obey you with their whole hearts, and I'm so thankful for that. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to give you, to give us yourself, that we would have all of you, and that we would honor what God is doing in Maplecrest, and we would honor and recognize and name what God is doing in each of us. Amen. Let's respond to that message with worship through music. So I invite you to stand and move around, do whatever you need to do. <laughs>